Chapter Thirteen of the Great K and A Train Robbery by Paul Lester Ford. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Thirteen: A Lesson in Politeness. Within five minutes we had a big surprise, for the sheriff and Mr. Baldwin came back, and the former announced that Fred and Lord Rails were free, having been released on bail. When we found that Baldwin had gone on the bond, I knew that there was a scheme of some sort in the move, and, taking Fred aside, I warned him against trying to recover the proxies. They probably think that one or the other of you knows where the letters are hidden, I whispered, and they'll keep a watch on you, so go slow. He nodded, and followed the sheriff and Lord Rails out. The moment they were gone, Mr. Camp said, I came back to give you a last chance. That's very good of you, I said. I warn you, he muttered threateningly, we are not men to be beaten. There are fifty cowboys of Baldwin's in this town who think you were concerned in the holding up. By merely tipping them the wink, they'll have you out of this, and after they've got you outside, I wouldn't give the toss of a nickel for your life. Now then, will you hand over those letters, or will you go to blank blank inside of ten minutes? I lost my temper in turn. I'd much prefer going to some place where I was less sure of meeting you, I retorted, and as for the cowboys, you'll have to be as tricky with them as you want to be with me before you'll get them to back you up in your dirty work. At this point the sheriff called back to ask Camp if he was coming. All right, cried Camp, and went to the door. This is the last call, he snarled, pausing for a moment on the threshold. I hope so, said I, more calmly in manner than in feeling, I have to acknowledge, for I didn't like the look of things. That they were in earnest I felt pretty certain, for I understood now why they had let my companions out of jail. They knew that angry cowboys were a trifle undiscriminating, and didn't care to risk hanging more than was necessary. A long time seemed to pass after they were gone but in reality it wasn't more than fifteen minutes before I heard someone steal up and softly unlock the door. I confess the evident endeavor to do it quietly gave me a scare, for it seemed to me it couldn't be an above-board movement. Thinking this, I picked up the box on which I had been sitting and prepared to make the best fight I could. It was a good deal of relief, therefore, when the door opened just wide enough for a man to put in his head, and I heard the sheriff's voice say softly, "'Hi, Gordon.' I was at the door in an instant and asked, "'What's up?' "'They're getting the fellers together and saying that you're shot a woman in the hold-up.' "'It's an infernal lie,' I said. "'Sounds that way to me,' assented the sheriff but two-thirds of the boys are drunk, and it's a long time since they've had any fun. Well, I said, as calmly as I could, are you going to stand by me? I would, Mr. Gordon, he replied, if there was any good, but there ain't time to get a posse, and what's one Winchester against a mob of cowboys like them? If you'll lend me your gun, I said, I'll show just what it is worth without troubling you. I'll do better than that, offered the sheriff, 
and that's what I'm here for. Just sneak, while there's time. You mean? I exclaimed. That's it. I'm going away, and I'll leave the door unlocked. If you get clear, let me know your address, and later, if I want yer, I'll send your word. He took a grip on my fingers that numbed them, as if they had been caught in an air-break, and disappeared. I slipped out after the sheriff without loss of time. That there wasn't much to spare was shown by a crowd with some torches down the street, collected in front of a saloon. They were making a good deal of noise, even for the West. Evidently the flame was being fanned. Not wasting time, I struck for the railroad, because I knew the geography of that best, but still more because I wanted to get to the station. It was a big risk to go there, but it was one I was willing to take for the object I had in view, and, since I had to take it, it was safest to get through with the job before the discovery was made that I was no longer in jail. It didn't take me three minutes to reach the station. The whole place was black as a coal-dumper, except for the slices of light which shone through the cracks of the curtained windows in the specials, the dim light of the lamp in the station, and the glow of the row of saloons two hundred feet away. I was afraid, however, that there might be a spy lurking somewhere, for it was likely that Camp would hope to get some clue of the letters by keeping a watch on the station and the cars. Thinking boldness the safest course, I walked on to the platform without hesitation and went into the station. The night man was sitting in his chair, nodding, but he waked up the moment I spoke. "'Don't speak my name,' I said warningly as he struggled to his feet, and then in the fewest possible words I told him what I wanted of him, to find if the pony I had ridden, Camps or Baldwin's, was in town, and, if so, to learn where it was, and to get the letters on the quiet from under the saddle-flap. I chose this man, first because I could trust him, and next because I had only one of the Cullens as an alternative, and if any of them went sneaking round it would be sure to attract attention. The moment you have the letters, put them in the station safe, I ended, and then get word to me. "'And where'll you be, Mr. Gordon?' asked the man. "'Is there any place about here that's a safe hiding-spot for a few hours?' I asked. "'I want to stay till I'm sure those letters are safe, and after that I'll steal on board the first train that comes along.' "'Then you'll want to be near here,' said the man. "'I'll tell you. I've got just the place for you. The platform's boarded in all around, but I noticed one plank that's loose at one end, right at this nigh corner, and if you just pry it open enough to get in, and then pull the board in place, they'll never find you. That will do, I said, and when the letters are safe, come out on the platform, walk up and down once, bang the door twice, and then say, That way freight is late and if you get a chance, tell one of the Cullens where I'm hidden." I crossed the platform boldly, jumped down, and walked away. But after going fifty feet, I dropped down on my hands and knees and crawled back. Inside of two minutes I was safely stowed away under the platform, in about as neat a hiding-place as a man could ask. In fact, 
if i had only had my wits enough about me to borrow a revolver of the man i could have made a pretty good defence even if discovered underneath the platform was loose gravel and as an additional precaution i scooped out close to the sideboarding a trough long enough for me to lie in then i got into the hole shovelled the sand over my legs and piled the rest up in a heap close to me so that by a few sweeps of my arm i could cover my whole body leaving only my mouth and nose exposed and those below the level that made me feel pretty safe for even if the cowboys found the loose plank and crawled in it would take uncommon good eyesight in the darkness to find me i had hollowed out my living grave to fit and if i could have smoked i should have been decidedly comfortable sleep i dared not indulge in and the sequel showed that i was right in not allowing myself that luxury i hadn't much more than comfortably settled myself and let thoughts of a cigar and a nap flit through my mind when a row up the street showed that the jail-breaking had been discovered then followed shouts and confusion for a few moments while a search was being organized i heard some horsemen ride over the tracks and also down the street followed by the hurried footsteps of half a dozen men some banged at the doors of the specials while others knocked at the station door one of the cullen's servants opened the door of 218 and i heard the sheriff's voice telling him he'd got to search the car the darky protested saying that the gemman was all away and only to miss inside the row brought miss cullen to the door and i heard her ask what was the matter sorry to trouble yer miss said the sheriff but a, a prisoner has broken jail and we've got to look for him escaped cried madge joyfully how that's just what gets away with me marvelled the sheriff my idee is don't waste time on theories said camp's voice angrily search the car sorry to discommode a lady apologized the sheriff gallantly but if we may just look around a little my father and brothers went out a few minutes ago said madge hesitatingly and i don't know if they would be willing camp laughed angrily and ordered stand aside there don't you worry said the sheriff if he's on the car he can't get away we'll send a feller up for mr cullen and while we search mr gordon's car and the station they set about it at once and used up ten minutes in the task then i heard camp say come we can't wait all night for permission to search this car go ahead i hope you'll wait till my father comes begged madge now go slow mr camp said the sheriff we mustn't discomfort the lady if we can avoid it i believe you're wasting time in order to help him escape snapped camp nothing of the kind denied the sheriff if you won't do your duty i'll take the law into my own hands and order the car searched sputtered camp so angry as hardly to be able to articulate look a here growled the sheriff who are you saying all this to anyway if you're talking to me say so right off all i mean hastily said camp is that it's your duty in your honorable position to search this car i don't need no instructin in my duty as sheriff retorted the official 
but a bigger duty is what is owin' to the feminine sex. When a female is in question, a gentleman, Mr. Camp, yes, sir, a gentleman, is in duty bound to be perlite. Politeness be blank, swore Camp. Get as angry as your blank please, roared the sheriff wrathfully, but blank me if any blank blank cuss has a right to use such blank blank talk in the presence of a lady. End of chapter 13